we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. We believe Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. We believe Jesus ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in one church made up of all believers and the communion of the saints. We believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen? Amen! alone there were 58 people who went public with their faith in Jesus Christ in this place. 58 people. We're so grateful. We asked that God would, would send his spirit and to reveal himself and he did and people are believing lives are being changed and God is moving. He is continuing to work. I want you to know that if you want to take that step of faith, you can do that after any service. We are always ready. We have these baptistries ready for you to go public with your faith, confessing Jesus before men, and you will be confessed before his Father in heaven. It is just such a beautiful thing. I want us to thank God for what he did last weekend, and I want to thank him for what he is going to do, and then we are going to get into our message. Father, we see as, as Jesus was with his disciples and as Peter was the one who spoke up and said that he believed. He believed that, that your son, Jesus, was the son, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus told him that he was blessed and that that was not revealed to him by man, but by his father in heaven. So, Father, we come to you thanking you. We ask you that your spirit would move. We ask for just a, a, a breath of your spirit, just a, a drop of anointing in this place. And you gave us more than we could ask or imagine. And for that, we just want you to know how grateful we are. And now as we open your word, we want you to know that we're grateful for that. I pray that you will prepare our hearts to receive whatever it is that you want to say to us. May we listen to you. Father, we, we want to see Jesus and we only want to see Jesus. And it is in his name that we pray. And all those who agreed said... Amen. You have come on the perfect day. 
You, if you're joining us online, you, you've just joined at the, at the perfect time. And I will tell you why, because we are beginning a brand new series. We are calling it Living on Mission. We have, since the beginning of this year, we have been exploring and we will continue to explore the depths of what it means to follow Jesus. But as we have, we have discovered that following Jesus is not just about us. It's not just about our salvation, but when we follow Jesus moment by moment, we live as he lived. We love as he loved. And so here's what we're going to do for the next five weeks. We are going to get intensely practical with what this life looks like. What does it mean to live on mission? What does it mean to follow Jesus moment by moment? And so for the next five weeks, we're going to get intensely practical because we're going to be looking at an intensely practical book. We're going to be studying through the book of James. Now, just to set the tone for us here, I want you to imagine for just a moment, if you will, that you have been called to a family meeting. Okay, now you're a little nervous about this because this doesn't happen all that often, and so you've been called to a family meeting, you're wondering what you did wrong. Um, now, I don't know if that's the role you play in your family, but maybe it is. You've been called to a family meeting, and there's some small talk. Everyone's starting to arrive, small talk. And, and finally, it is your dad who, who steps up and speaks up, and he says, I've called you all here because we need to discuss your brother. And you're thinking, oh, I'm so glad it wasn't me this time. And you speak up and you say, what, what did he do this time? Because you kind of looked around and you noticed in particular one of your brothers hasn't made it, somehow skipped out on this fun family gathering. And so you ask, what did he do? Is he in trouble? And it's your mom that speaks up this time. She says, no, 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 it's, it's not that. He's, he's not in trouble. Uh, it's, it's kind of the opposite. Well, to be honest with you, we're not really sure what it is. You see, your brother is, well... Your brother is the son of God. Now, how many of you have a brother? Come on, show of hands. How many? Okay, there's a lot of you that have a brother. How much would it take? What would it take to convince you that your brother is the son of God? Come on. We get just a feel, you laugh, but we get just a feel for what it would have been like to have been James, who was the brother of Jesus, the son of God. No shocker here, he did not follow Jesus during Jesus' ministry. How do we know? Well, we see in John chapter 7, it says, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Okay, we can cut them some slack. We get it. We would have been skeptical too had someone told us that our brother was the son of God. Even his own brothers did not believe in him. But something changed. Uh, something changed for, for James uh, because it was about the mid to late 40s, maybe even the 50s, when James is writing what we know now is a book in what we consider now our New Testament. In fact, it was the earliest one written. Remember that the books that we have in our New Testament today aren't necessarily in the order that they were written. This was one of the earliest. And who's writing it? It's James writing this book in the New Testament based on the teachings of Jesus that he did not follow when Jesus was conducting his ministry. What changed? 
something changed. What was it? This is what it was. This is Paul writing. After that, after what? After that, after Jesus died, after he was crucified, after he was placed in a tomb, after the stone was rolled over to seal the entrance of the tomb, after the stone was rolled away and nobody could find any body after that. After that, he appeared. Who appeared? Jesus appeared. After all that, Jesus appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to who? James. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. That's what changed. That's what changed. You see, James saw his brother die. Breath, leave his body, placed in a tomb, dead, game over. And then a few days later, James sees his brother walking around like he is recovering from a common cold. That's what James saw. That's what changed him. And so this is why we want to listen to what James has to say. We know that a brother is not going to sugarcoat it, right? We know that a brother is going to give us the real scoop. And so this is why we listen to, to James. This is why we care what he had to write in this letter that is now the book of James in our New Testament. He was the one that wrote chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Now, this is James. And notice he does not say, hey, it's James. You know me, brother of Jesus. He doesn't do that. Interestingly enough, after everything that he has seen and everything he has experienced, what does he say? This is James, simply a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So James is writing, and then he tells us who he's writing to. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Here's what's happened at this point. And Jesus is gone, at least physically. And persecution is on the rise, especially in the Jerusalem church where, guess who is one of their spiritual leaders, one of their elders, you might even say one of their pastors. It was James in the Jerusalem church. And here's what happened. You see a guy named Stephen was stoned outside the city gates. Persecution is on the rise and people get scared and they start to flee. These people in the Jerusalem church are now scattered all over the Mediterranean. As far west as Rome, as far east as Babylon, as far south as Egypt. They are scattered. They are refugees on the run because they have lost everything that they had, everything that they've known. They left their jobs. They left their their, their homes, they left their property. Some of them were scattered away from their family. These people had lost everything and they're scared and they're on the run. And I would imagine at some point this letter would have reached them. Someone would have said, hey, we got a letter. And someone said, well, great, who's it from? And maybe they opened it up and they go, you're not gonna believe this. It's from our pastor. It's from James. And I would envision someone else said, well, what does it say? And maybe they gathered the people around and someone began to read what James was going to say to these people who were dispersed. And this is what he says. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. James is writing to people who probably felt like they were lacking everything. I mean, I would have to imagine that there were some, uh, maybe some, some people who would just come back and maybe say, hey, could you just read that letter again? I just need to hear what James had to say just one more time. What, what was that again? I would imagine that maybe there were some children who were wondering what they were going to eat that night or where they were going to sleep. And I, I have to imagine maybe they went to their mom and dad and said, could you just tell me, tell me what James said again? I just need to hear it again. These people had to have been so... Uh, disheartened. These would have been the people that they probably asked, why would God allow this to happen? James knows this. These are people that he, he loves. And so what does, he, what does he write to them to encourage them? He says, consider it pure joy. He says, put your problems in proper perspective. James says, your, your problems aren't evidence of God's absence. Your problems are evidence of God's presence. He is present. He is with you. He will not forsake you. He is working. He's always working. He is still working. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, he's still working and he is with you. James says, don't give up. Don't give up. Remember this. This is our first point. God blesses those who persevere. God blesses those who persevere, those who, who don't give up. Now, this is what James is not saying. He is not saying, be happy that you just lost everything. I used to kind of read that verse like that. And I thought, what? That's, that's, that's crazy. But he's not, listen, he's not talking about an emotion. See, happiness, that, he's not talking about an emotion. He's talking about joy. He's not saying you should be happy that everything that could have gone wrong just went wrong. But he is saying you can consider it pure joy because you know what's on the other side of the problem. And what's on the other side of the problem? You know that through this trial, there is a promise. And on the other side of this problem, there is the promise keeper. James says, don't give up. Don't lose hope. God blesses those who persevere. This reminds me of uh, another reason why I love, love, love the book of James. You see, uh, James is not only the brother of Jesus, but the book of James is the reason my brother found his way back to Jesus. It was late in his high school years, Early in the college years, he found himself going down a, a dark path. It was hard times for him. The people around him, they were not helping him grow. They were actually preventing it. And it was, it was a hard life for him. And I remember one day we, we sat down to talk. He wanted to talk. I had no idea what I was going to say to him. But I just happened to be reading this book in the New Testament. Can anyone guess what book I might have been reading at the time? It was James. And so I told him, I said, I, 
I don't really know what to tell you, but I'm reading this book and it, you know, it's, it's short. Uh, I kind of got a short attention span, so I was, it's short and it's very practical. Maybe, maybe you should read it. Now he grew up in the church just like I did. He grew up with a Bible just like I did, but he never really read it for himself and for whatever reason, hitting rock bottom being at the end of himself, for whatever reason, this time he picked up that Bible and he read it for himself. And he would tell you today that it was reading through the book of James that changed his life. And it has. This will give you just a little bit of an idea of why I'm so passionate about us being in the word daily. And it'll give you an idea of why I'm so passionate about the book of James. It was what brought my brother back to Jesus. We don't get a chance to see each other much. And this past week we were talking and I asked him, I, knew, I was preparing for this message. I said, could you just tell me again, what was it about reading through the book of James that just grabbed your heart? What was it that, that just changed everything for you? He said, you know what it was? And he pointed to this verse, verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord for such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I said, what was it about that, that that just really grabbed your heart? And he said, you know what? I was reading and I just started believing again. He said, I just started believing again that I could go to God, that he wanted me to come to him. I started believing that if I did, that he would give me wisdom to climb out of this hole that I found myself in. The scripture said, if I, if I went to God, he would, he would give me wisdom. And so I went to God. It's that simple. And guess what? He started giving me wisdom, he said. He said, I believe that, that God would not just maybe give me wisdom, but that he would give me wisdom. Not that God would give me maybe just a little bit of wisdom, but what does it say? It says that God will give generously, generous wisdom. Here's the thing. God blesses those who ask. I have to ask you, are you asking for it? On your knees, at the end of yourself, Are you asking God for wisdom in your life? Are you seeking him for the wisdom that he so desperately wants to give you generously? Not just a little bit. I'll give you a little bit today and a little bit. No, he wants to pour it out on you. Are you asking for it? God blesses those who persevere and those who ask. This year, we want to, as we're reflecting in scripture and, and we want scripture to be reflecting on us and in our lives, changing our lives. We are wanting to be a, a church that tells each other stories more and more so that we can see the scripture come to life in our lives. It was a couple weeks ago after a service and I noticed a family pass by me that I knew was going through some, some trials and I really wanted to talk to him. I wanted to just give him a word of blessing. And so we started talking and it wasn't me blessing them. After we got through talking, they had blessed me 
sharing their story with me. And so I, we would like to share their story with you today. Would you welcome Luke and Colleen Cruff up here right now? Thank you guys so much for being with us. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you guys. Appreciate your, your time. And so as I was um, getting ready for this message, reading through James chapter one, you know, after our conversation, uh, I just, I just stopped and your story, our conversation immediately came to my mind. So thank you for being here and, and sharing with us. Maybe, maybe we could just uh, let the church know a little bit about yourself. Well, Luke and I were <clears throat> both born and raised in Michigan, and yeah, Michigan. <laughs> got some Michigan people out there. All right. <laughs> and um, we were blessed to be raised in Christian families, and um, we were both saved at an early age. And we met each other in college, and got married. And Luke is in engineering, and I am a lawyer, so we had it all figured out. And we have, we have three daughters. And when, when you looked at our life, it was just so abundantly blessed. Um, we'd never really had to face any insurmountable challenges, no, nothing that we didn't think we could figure out ourselves. Yeah. And um, that, that really changed in 2015. So in that year, in March of that year, um, about five years ago from right now, um, I had been presented with a job opportunity down here in San Antonio, and actually we'd been praying about it for probably four or five months. It, it takes a little while to decide if you want to move to a foreign country. You know? <laughs> uh, so we're thinking about coming to Texas. We love it here. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, but seriously, after a, a long period of prayer and discussion, and we decided that that God was in fact asking us uh, to do that. And so um, it had time had come for me to give my notice on a Monday morning, but in the wee hours of Friday, the, uh, three days before I was to give my notice, we found ourselves in the ER. Uh, Colleen had what seemed like uh, severe appendicitis uh, type symptoms or something. And um, over the course of the next couple of days, you know, things go very fast and, um, we learned that there was a tumor, uh, that it needed to be removed immediately. Um, within a few days, we learned that that was uh, uh, stage three cancer. And so, um, you know, we said, well, there's, there's still time uh, to not, not make this change. And we looked at each other, and I still remember, you know, Colleen's in the hospital bed and, and looked at me very steadfastly and said, this is... Uh, what we felt like God was asking us to do, and um, I don't think this changes that. So, so I had multiple surgeries and two rounds of chemotherapy in Michigan, and then we moved <laughs> to Texas. And um, we, I just remember praying, Lord, um, we're we're doing this out of obedience, so we just need you. <laughs> we need you to. Um, make this happen because this is too big for us. And <clears throat> he absolutely did. It was like he was going before us and, um, you know, everything about a cross-country move when I was so sick 
just went smoothly. And there's this little um, clinic here in Texas called MD Anderson. Mm. And um, I, I was able to go there um, immediately. And I had um, an oncologist in San Antonio immediately and was able to continue chemotherapy. And just God provided every step of the way. Mm. You know, we, uh, we've all had questions like this. And why would, why would a God who is good, why would a good God allow suffering to, to happen. And so, you know, we're, we're talking today about uh, consider it pure joy when you face trials of, of many kinds. I mean, how, how does that resonate in your life as, as you're thinking about kind of where you've been? So I want to, I, I just want to, you want to say something? I want to clarify that, you know, we don't feel like God um, put this pain in our life. Uh, we feel like the pain came from uh, our, our sin, uh, the sinful nature of the world, the broken nature of the world. And, and so these are just things that, that happen. But what we, what we do believe is that God used that, that pain and that suffering to help us trust him day by day for the daily provisions of life that we thought we had figured out before that. Um, and to, and not just not to cling on to all the things in life that, that we thought were important or precious and to just be just open-handed in our in our trust of him um and that that was a big learning for both of us i think and the another area was just in in compassion yeah and i guess compassion's maybe not on the top of your list when when you think you have it all together um uh, but um you know he had he had planted the idea of adoption actually in our in our hearts uh, even before we had kids but recently, over the last, about a year and a half ago, both of us kind of felt a big calling to, uh, to talk about that again and, and really the plight of the kids in the, in the foster care system specifically were what was weighing us, you know, weighing us down really heavy. And so um, we went to start through the process and, and are now uh, licensed to foster adopt, so. And this past November, we got a phone call um, saying that there was a newborn baby boy um, ready to be just discharged from the hospital, and he had nowhere to go. And Luke and I just looked at each other and we we're like, okay, oh my goodness, let's take him. <laughs> and um, about two and a half hours later, he was at our house and um, completely changed our life. Um, we were able to love him for three months, and we had hoped that we would adopt him, but he was um, placed with the relative two weeks ago. So um, <clears throat> even in this new pain, uh, we, we, can, we can see God teaching us about his character. As much as we love that little boy, God loves him so much more. And he has a purpose and a plan for him. And he's asking us to just trust him with this little boy's story. And... You know, just something else I think that um, we've trusted him with, and, and I'd like Colleen to be able to have a chance to talk about it, just as some of the physical um, challenges that she had and, and some of the healing that we've seen in her ability to sing. Mm. <laughs> we, uh, we started attending Oak Hills um, right after we moved, and um, when I was well, when I was too sick, we would stay home and watch the live stream. And... Um, Chemotherapy really broke me physically, and one of the things that happened was nerve damage, and I completely lost the ability to sing entirely. And it was devastating because that's how, 
that's my best expression of worship. Yeah. And God used that pain to, to teach me again about his character. And I have no idea why. I have other nerve damage that isn't healed, but he chose to give that back to me. And I can sing. And so every time I'm up here helping to lead the church in worship, it is a reminder of just God's kindness and undeserved mercy. Now, I'm so glad he gave that gift back to you because when you sing Great Is Thy Faithfulness, I believe it. I believe it. Amen. <laughs> you know, we, we live in a world that, that says if it's, if it's pleasurable, then just go for it. It just doesn't matter. Just pursue pleasure. And, and, and the other side of that is if it's painful, avoid it at all costs. And so that's the way a lot of us, you know, live our life. But you guys, I mean, you just seem to have this, this peace and this confidence, uh, not because of the absence of pain, but like in the midst of it. Like, tell us, like, what is that? So again, I just want to clarify, we're not sitting up here telling anybody that we've uh, <clears throat> got it all figured out or uh, anywhere close. But we are saying that, you know, God's spirit has been... Uh, revealed to us in, in powerful ways and we're you know obviously just incredibly thankful for that. I, I think that's come out in a couple of ways. First that we realize that actually the ultimate healing um, it, it doesn't even exist in this life um, and that's, that's why we shouldn't cling on to this mortal body and, and the things of this earth so much because eventually the, the true healing is, is when we're going to be on the other side in heaven and um, that's, that's been a big, that's been a big realization for us. And maybe we just learned that earlier in life than others because of the situation. But, uh, the other thing that I think has been really obvious it, through all this is that, um, God is going to be glorified one way or the other, whether we're involved with it or not, he will, his, his kingdom is going to come on this earth and it's going to come in heaven. You know, I've been reading in John and Matthew and just realized that how many times Jesus talks about the kingdom of God and tries to help us understand just a little picture of that. It's, it's all around us every day and we just don't see it. So now, um, you know, we've been able to see that at least a little bit more clearly. It's still dim, but, um, but that's, that's been a huge blessing from him. Yeah. I'm in remission now, um, but I just, I don't see myself as like a survivor or um, you know, that I accomplished anything. I, I see remission as God's unbelievable kindness to my husband and to my children. But I know that his greatest kindness, the greatest healing will come when I am finally home and I'm worshiping Jesus in person. And until then, I just have, we just have to obey and trust that um, God is using the pain all of the situations we find ourselves in that are just too big, he's using them for our good and most importantly for his glory. Amen, amen. You guys have been such an inspiration to me and now sharing your story. Thank you for trusting uh, your story with us. Church, can we thank the Crufts for being with us today? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So as I'm, I'm listening 
to, to them and, and to their story, I, I can't help but think about where James picks up in verse 12 when he says this. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive, and Luke talked about this, will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Church, do not miss this right here. You see what that says? The Lord has promised. What is this telling us? What is James telling us? He is telling us that no matter what problems we face, and we're facing some problems right now. You face some problems. You may be facing some right now, but there is no problem that is greater than his promise. There's no problem that is greater than his purpose that he is working in you. There's no trial, there's no trouble that is greater than his truth. There's no resistance that is greater than the revival that he wants to bring. There's no attack that is greater than the authority that he has. There is no virus that is greater than the victory that he has won. There is no election that is greater than his eternal presence. And there's no stress. There's no stress that is greater than his strength that he is providing you right now regardless of what you are going through. We want to present yet another challenge. You knew it was coming, come on. We've read through John, we've read through Matthew, and now I wanna invite you in one more time to read through James. Not, not necessarily a chapter a day. This time we've got five chapters. We're gonna read a chapter a week. You can read a chapter a day, I guarantee you. You're gonna find something new every day. But here's what I wanna invite you to do. I want to, we, we've been reading a lot. We just, we've kind of gone through John and, and Matthew. I want to invite us just to slow down. I want you to sit down with James, the brother of Jesus, daily and listen to him. As he tells you, as an eyewitness about the teachings of Jesus, there, there's such great wisdom in this. So here's the challenge. Read through James Slow, meditate on it, reflect on it, let it reflect on you. Ask God, God, what are you, what are you calling me to hear? What are you calling me to believe? What are you calling me to obey? Now, James is not going to take it easy on us. I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm warning you. But he will tell us the truth. And you can believe that a brother is going to give you the truth. He's going to give you the full scoop. So remember, God blesses those who persevere. God blesses those who ask for it. Can we just thank God right now in this moment for his work in our lives? He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. Can we just give him praise in this place for what he has done in our lives and what he is going to continue to do? You got to believe it. Amen. Amen.